Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way podcast. Well, hello everyone. I'm still Scott. And I'm still Maddie. And welcome to episode 38 of the Harder Way podcast. All right. I'm scared. We're getting close to episode 40. What is What happens when we turn 40? Well, it's not when you turn 40. It's that in the Bible, the number 40 represents trial and testing. So I'm scared things might be getting a little rocky as we head towards episode 40. Ooh, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe episode 40 will be our trial and testing episode. Yeah, we probably should stay on, stay on the theme. Maybe go back to some of those Ooh. biblical themes of of suffering and, and God's providence and suffering and the importance of that. Cause there's a lot of, uh, tie back with the persecuted church there. And, uh, we've talked about that in earlier episodes, but I think we're getting to the point now. And some of you who've been listening for a long time may have noticed this where we really are feeling the need to, in some ways, go back to things we've talked about already. Mm-hmm. Um, just not just for the sake of new listeners, but also for the sake of, you know, those of you who have been listening since episode one, sometimes you need to be reminded of something that you haven't really thought about in nine months. Right. <laughs> so the things that are really important and they're those things that we really want to drive home, I think you're going to hear some of those things stated maybe again in a new or different way, just trying to do whatever we can to get um, these lessons from the persecuted church um, to you as, as well and as, as efficiently as we can. Well, you know, something that I've noticed in the last couple of years, and, and, I'm, and I'm, uh, this ties into what we're talking about uh, as we think about lessons from the persecuted church for the American church mm-hmm. and how for us to live in an increasingly hostile culture where persecution exists already in a small level and is increasing. One of the things I saw is that there are people in this world, and, I, and I, I'm not even thinking of like one political party, just people in general, who have very strong feelings about different issues. And they really want their opponents or their detractors to stop talking, to be quiet, to have no uh, ability to speak, to have mm-hmm. no forum. And when the when the 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 controls of of law which are are off, or when they feel like they have the freedom to act however they want to act, they become quite aggressive mm. uh, intellectually, verbally, and even physically in their attacks on those things they disagree with. And recently, I've been noticing an increase in little attacks on the Bible. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. I came across an article uh, just today because um, I normally don't read the news, don't watch the news, anything like that. But if you have a Microsoft email, sometimes you get those little pop-ups from the MSN news. And I saw one today where the article, this was just posted yesterday, the article was basically just going into all of the ways that science has disproved the Bible. I believe the article was called, you know, six Bible stories that have that have been debunked by science. Mm. 
and I was reading through it and obviously I was able to see all of the things that they were claiming were ways that the Bible was being debunked and see right through that and say, okay, well that's wrong because of this and that's wrong because of this. And, you know, we don't want to turn into, I almost said channel, but we don't want to turn into a podcast where we're doing, you know, response podcasts and we're going to tear apart all these people's arguments because we don't really see anything fruitful in that. That's not our thing. And so, but it did inspire us though to really get into this topic of can we trust the Bible? Is the Bible trustworthy? What are the evidences for the validity of scripture? You know, obviously outside of the most important, which we know is the, you know, the confirmation of the Holy Spirit, right? But outside of that, just from a a logical perspective, a more objective perspective, what are those evidences that the Bible is completely trustworthy? Right. We can, and we should discuss that when we will. I think there's a couple of things I want to uh, share as groundwork before we do. Number one, mm, yeah. what's happening with these these attacks on the Bible, right, is that you can pretty easily debunk them with with not a lot of effort because they aren't really they aren't really that hard to debunk. Like the one that says a new chapter in the Bible was found that's been going around recently. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's not. It's technically it's one of those things where it's like the skin of the truth stuff with a lie. Mm, yep. A new a new chapter was found, but it's not an it's not actually a chapter that wasn't revealed before. It's just in an ancient language that they didn't have it in before. So it's a chapter it's, it's that already a, exists. Yeah, so it's not any new content. It's just in a manuscript that was found that was in a different language, yeah, and they didn't right. have that copy in that right. language. I, I believe it was in one of the Syriac um, languages, and it was just an, a more modern. Uh, uh, document and they and they x-rayed it and found it was it had been written over an older document and the older document was this exact same chapter in the Bible that the new document was written on. the exact same thing, just different exact, language. Just different language. And so they're calling it a new chapter. Well, so what they're trying to do through these attacks is they're trying to spark con- something called confirmation bias. Mm, and yeah, so yeah. if you already are inclined to reject the Bible, you already want to... Um, you want to believe there is no God so that you can do whatever you want to do with your bod <laughs> or with your mind or with your money or whatever it is, um, then you're going to see that. You're going to see, ah, six ways the Bible was disproven. You may skim it and you may not even open the article, but you're like, see, I knew those Christians were a bunch of bunch of dumbos mm-hmm. and, and that's it. Yeah. And you have confirmation bias. The other thing is that we have to always remember that no matter how intellectually tight our reasoning and our arguments are for the proof of the scripture there's always a leap of faith at the end absolutely and that's the that's where real salvation occurs it's not in the intellectual part i've done a number of people who are intellectually convinced that god is real and the bible is true but they never make the leap of faith they never become christians Mm. um and so um, there's there are three aspects of belief: intellectual, emotional, and volitional. It's not just a mo- it's not just a, a one thing. It's not just being convinced, right? And so belief, uh, which is the Greek word pistuo, which is also translated as faith, faith um, is intellectual. I am convinced in my mind. Emotional, I feel some kind of way about it. <laughs> Usually, I feel convicted by it. Volitional. Uh, what's where we get our word volatile from? It's action, movement. It means I take action based on that. That's why James says, 
you know, show me your faith by what you say and I'll show you my faith by what I do. He's not saying you got to go do stuff to prove you're a Christian. What he's saying is if you're a Christian, you're going to go do stuff. Right, exactly. Right? Not that your works save you, but that, you know, certain works may be evidences of yeah, it's like, don't salvation t- that's there. Don't tell me your hair is on fire. I'll know your hair is on fire because you're trying to put it out and you're trying yeah. to, you know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Okay, so let's talk about this. Can I trust the Bible? Can I trust the Bible? First answer, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> so podcast over. We'll podcast. see you guys next week. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Go with God. Um, <laughs> so I think... You know, it's interesting. We have this kind of short, I say short form because it seems short form in comparison to uh, a seminar that we normally do on this topic that's multiple hours long. Right. And we're doing this podcast in about 30 minutes. So we want to kind of briefly touch on a couple of the main areas where there are some primary evidences for the validity and trustworthiness of scripture. Uh, we have four primary types of evidence that we typically look at. Uh, the first is manuscript evidence. The second is prophetic evidence. The third is historic slash archaeological evidence. And the fourth is scientific evidence. Yeah. So we want to kind of, we're going to kind of breeze through them because, you know, we obviously only have about 30 minutes here. But we want to just touch on a few of the high points from each of those categories to hopefully give you a good overview of this, the the fact that, Scripture is 100% trustworthy. Well, you know, we make a big deal out of the fact that of, of we have like 5,366 separate Greek manuscripts. There's more evidence of the origin of the Bible than of any other document from antiquity mm-hmm. and of its accuracy. By um, a lot. By, Not by just a, a little bit more. <laughs> no, by a lot. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like if, it was, if you want a ruler, a uh, 12-inch ruler, all you know, other documents would have maybe... Um, a 32nd or a 16th of an inch and the Bible has 12 inches. I mean, it's, yeah, it's that, that, it's big that different. So there's tons of them. We have, we have stuff dating back, fragments dating back to within a couple of decades of the original writing. We have mm-hmm. uh, lots of, of uh, full and partial Bibles dating back to whether or not with 100 to 200 years of the original Bible. Um, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls that really lend to the, to uh, showing how accurate the uh, the Hebrew part of the Bible is, that which is the Old Testament. Um, so we won't go into great depth, but I want to make one argument that's really, I find, one of the most uh, helpful arguments. Oh, okay. We have a lot of the early or original works of the early church fathers. Yes. That's, they're called the Anti-Nicene or Anti-Nicaean fathers. And... Their writings contain all but one or two verses in the whole Bible. Wow. So just between their writings, you could compile. So you could literally take all of of those 5,366 manuscripts, you know, complete and partial, light them on fire, forget about them, and go back to those ancient documents that are the early church fathers' writings, and you could reconstruct the Bible, which people have done. Yeah. And we find the Bible to be accurate. There are very few, only a tiny places where we don't know what it knows. So when people say, oh, it's been written and it's been rewritten and it's like the game of telephone. No, that is not the mm-hmm. case whatsoever. It is not the case at all. You can go all the way back to the beginning. So if you're going to use the game of telephone example where I start a story and then you say something and then the fixed person says something and the story gets you know, And by the end, it's a completely different A completely thing. different story. What we're saying is, no, I might be on the far end of that telephone line, 
But I can go back to the first person or the yep. second person, and the message never gets messed up by the second person. Mm-hmm. I can go back to that first or second person and say, "What well, now? What? What did he say? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay." So, um, you know, that's kind of the Reader's Digest version. If you, for those of you who remember Reader's Digest, so the the gist of that we would say is that we have a, an extreme amount of evidence that proves that the Bible that we have today is perfectly accurate to really we'll say the original autographs which autographs is the word for the the originals original copies you know right. the first uh writings of scripture we can look back and we can see we can go back very very close to the original copies obviously we don't have those and say they have uh they have stayed accurate they haven't been changed there hasn't been right. there's no conspiracies of stuff being taken out or added in the Bible we have today and the scripture that we have today is is accurate to the original. Yeah. Well, there is some stuff that's added in, not taken out, but that really has more to do with um, uh, a more modern translation and the stuff that's taken out and added in. People make a big deal out of it, but it really isn't a big deal because it's in other places as well. So it's all there. We can talk about that another, and maybe on another podcast. Um, but there's no big conspiracy theory or anything no you know unless you're talking about like the passion translation or the joseph smith translation or the new world translation those are conspiracies to try to pervert the bible yeah, exactly <laughs> those aren't real bibles so stay away from any of those three we just said yeah yeah <laughs> um, um do we want to talk a little bit about some of the prophetic evidences yeah, why of don't scripture? you give some of that Give us a reader's diary. Give us a short version of that. Yeah. So when we're talking about prophetic evidences, we're talking about those things that were prophesied in Scripture that we have evidence that did happen. And when we say, you know, prophetic evidences, the evidences that we're giving are only of things that could not have been manipulated, right? Like if somebody says, I prophesy that I'm going to have ice cream today. And then they go to the store and buy ice cream. And eat it. And eat it. Like, oh, yeah, look I'm, at me. I'm a, I, 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 I'm a prophet because I said I was going to have ice cream today. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about things that very clearly, um, you know, or could not have been predicted by just common sense, right? You look up at the sky, you know, it's cloudy. There, there's, you know, lightning coming down and you're like, I prophesied that it's going to rain soon. You know? <laughs> somewhere, somehow, lightning will strike. So... So how many how many prophecies are in the Bible and and how many have been have any of they have they been fulfilled so far or where are we yeah at? so we're most of them have because as of right now the the current count is that there are about twenty five hundred prophecies wow. uh, listed in Scripture and as of now about two thousand of them have already been fulfilled and we can look very clearly to uh, fulfillments of two thousand of them. Um, and so that leaves only about 500 that are that are left to be fulfilled, right? Um, or are currently being fulfilled, depending upon your eschatology. Uh, but 300 actually were fulfilled personally by Jesus, just in um, you know where he was born, how he was crucified, the fact that he resurrected, you know, all of these different factors of his life and ministry, you know, death, burial, resurrection that he personally fulfilled. 300 of well, those 2,000. That's why it's important, like in Micah 5 2, it prophesies that Jesus is going to be born in Bethlehem. And in the Book of Mormon, uh, in Alma chapter uh, uh, 7, verse 10, I believe, it says that Jesus is born in Jerusalem. 
Mm. So that's a and, and they try to they try to do, you know oh well, it was the area of Jerusalem or whatever but you know when you're walking from city to city ten miles is a long ways from one place to another it's yeah. not it's not like they're the considered the same town um, but uh, that's that's a prophecy that was fulfilled in Christ that was given before his lifetime you know hundreds, hundreds of years of years. before his lifetime or that his ministry would be a ministry of healing from Isaiah fifty three. Uh, that's that's fulfilled. In fact, that prophecy not only was fulfilled in Christ, but it's being fulfilled by his body mm-hmm. as we continue to heal the world through the message of Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. the gospel. Mm-hmm. Heal, healing the world, healing the persecuted church by bringing Bibles to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, that's I never thought about that until just this moment, but we are actually continuing the ministry of Jesus' Jesus's healing ministry, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, by bringing Bibles to the persecuted church. Mm. That's pretty cool. That's pretty amazing. I, I hadn't really thought about it that way either. But are there any other prophecies? That, give me a, give me a couple of prophecies are, uh, that we can think of that have been fulfilled. Yeah, maybe something people haven't heard of very much. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> one that's uh, I guess more random because I think we always look at these the prophetic prophecies about um, Jesus, but there are actually some specific prop, uh, prophecies about. Uh, the Babylonian captivity and the prophecies surrounding um, what would happen with uh, Babylon. We see that we were told uh, in Jeremiah 32, 6-7 that the Jews would survive the Babylonian captivity and return to the promised land. Uh, that was in about uh, 626 to 586 BC uh, and that was actually fulfilled in 536 BC. Uh, we also see that we're told in Isaiah thirteen nineteen that the kingdom of Babylon would be permanently overthrown. And that is something that did happen and something that is, I guess we could say, still being fulfilled in the sense that the, the kingdom of Babylon was never re, never, never came back, right? No. It was never restored no. um, in, in any way. We also see even a lot of even just things that are considered smaller, but are things that couldn't really have been predicted or caused to have happened. Um, we're told in Nahum 1.10 that the Ninevites were going to be uh, drunk in their final hours. Uh, and we see that happening uh, that was about 600 years after um, that that actually happened. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting just to see. Yeah, and it's and it's verified actually extra biblically by an ancient historian named Diodorus Siculus. He said the Assyrian king gave much wine to his soldiers. Deserters told uh, told this to the enemy who attacked that night. Um, so there's, you know, there, it's interesting that, and we could go on and on and on. Obviously, we told you two thousand have been fulfilled, mm-hmm. and there's just so many. This the the, the sheer magnitude of the number it's like god was saying hey uh well you know it's not enough just to give you a couple i'm going to give you because the the, the, like the uh, the quran has one and it was fulfilled by the person that made it right so it's an example of you know like "Eh." like saying i prophesy i'm gonna have ice cream you know it doesn't really yeah have it that's like that's like prophesying i'm gonna go back to oahu someday and uh you know, then I'm like, I'm arranging a vacation to go back to Oahu. See, I'm a prophet, and yeah. I'm on vacation in Oahu. <laughs> and having some malasadas at Leonard's Bakery. Um, so so the prof- prophetic evidence is massive. And it's a great deep dive to take. And it's funny, that more and more every day, um, these, as archaeologists do research, as others do research, 
um, that things that we thought the Bible was wrong on, they're right on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's right on. And I would so when I say we, I mean like scientists and stuff, not me. I didn't never. You're like not me wrong. personally. But yeah, you know, if if the way that people see the world was true logically you'd wind up with people saying the bible you know it keeps it just keeps being proven wrong it's not take for example the hittites uh you know it wasn't that long ago just a few decades ago when people thought that this discussion of this country called the hittites was a big you know a big sign of the bible's inaccuracy because there were no evidence, there was no, no evidence that the Hittites ever existed. No, so in the early 1900s, when archaeology was a very young science, there was this huge deposit of of like tablets, clay tablets that had uh, writing on them uh, in some unknown language, and uh, it was that was found in Bogoski, uh, Turkey, and it turns out they they weren't able to actually break the language code and disciple the language until the 1960s. But when they did, mm-hmm. they found that these were the records, deeds of sale, you know, legal documents and stuff from the Hittite Empire. Wow! And so this massive—they're still—they're still translating the documents to this day. And so now, no one questions do the Hittites exist. But that's what we've all forgotten. That's a place where, for for centuries, you know, especially since the Age of Enlightenment, mm-hmm. the Bible's not true. Look, these made up these people. What about King David? There was no evidence of King David having existed up until 1993. That was uh, only 30 years ago. Right. That was and, only 30 years ago. Right. They genuinely, everybody in kind of the academic community thought that he was an ancient myth. And it wasn't until uh, they found, you know, in North Israel, uh, a, a basically this chunk of basalt, right, which is like a mineral rock type of a thing, Um Clearly, I'm not a geologist. Where words were carved into it, House of David, King of Israel. And this was in in, in Tel Dan in North Israel, as I said. And this was huge because it was the first time that it had ever... We'd ever seen anything that suggested King David was a real person. And then in 2005, so that's even more recent, they actually found his palace, which of course included many evidences for his existence. But I think it's important when we're talking about this historic evidence and then also the scientific evidence we'll touch on a little bit in a couple minutes, is that we have to consider the fact that for so long... You know, the world of academia and, you know, just society as a whole looked at the Bible and said, well, the Bible has to be fake because of X, Y, Z. And so many, there are so many ways now that we can look back and see, oh, actually, the society was completely wrong on this or, or the science of the day was completely wrong on this or, you know, the history was wrong on this, but the Bible was right. And as you said, we're seeing more and more every day discover, discoveries that are validating that. And I think that's really important because when we look at things today and see, okay, um, science is saying this and the Bible says this, or history is saying this and the Bible says this, and we see a contradiction. What we have to understand is that there aren't going to be any contradictions because we know that the Bible is uh, what we call inerrant, which means that everything that it says is true. Not just that it won't lead us the wrong way, not just that it's true on theological things, but that everything that it asserts, everything that it claims is true because it's God's word. So if we see a contradiction, it isn't there. 
And there are really only two options. Either one, we're misunderstanding what the scripture is saying, or two, the the scientific world or the historic world just haven't caught up yet and just haven't realized that what the Bible is saying is true because for a long time history and archaeology said King David wasn't real. We you know now there right. now there's no argument right that he isn't and we'll we'll see that in in science as well. But um, right, yeah, th- so a lot of, a lot of historic evidences that are coming out. Every day, yeah, like the Mount Ebel curse tablets, and and uh, you and you can actually Google that and go read about it. It's Mount E B A L curse tablet, which is really interesting. Um, you know, I was thinking one of the best apologetics, which is like a defense of the faith that we can use, is when people say what you just said. Well, the Bible is wrong on this science, or the Bible missed this in history, or this isn't whatever, and we, you know, we can just add the word yet. Yes, 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 yes. Add yeah, the word yet. yet. They, they, you know, because they're going to figure it out. There's, there was a philosopher one time that said, and I think this is great. He said, all of the scientists in the world climbed, you know, continue to grow in their knowledge and they grow in their knowledge and they grow in their knowledge until they finally reach the pinnacle of all knowledge. They reach the top of the mountain. And when they got to the, the top of the mountain, they sat down to take a rest and they looked to the right and there was God. And he said, well, it's about time you showed up. Oh wow, I haven't heard that. Yeah, so it's like it's like you could keep growing, but you're going to find at the end of all knowledge is God because mm-hmm. God is truth. He yes. is all knowing. Yes, exactly. So real quickly, we've only got a few minutes left. Um, you know, what about give me some science? Uh, let's, let's, you know, I, I yeah. know that people will say the Bible is unscientific. Now, just as a as a thought, the, the creation account in Genesis is not meant to be science. It's meant to be history, and it's meant to tell the Israelites and us a new origin story, uh, as opposed to the one that was being taught to them in the world around them. And it's t- it's meant to really help them see themselves in a new way. It's true. I'm not saying that, but it's very intentional in the way it's written to take down all of the gods of the ancient Near East. It's to 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 let people know creation is good. It wasn't an accident. That humans are very good. They weren't an accident or created for evil purposes, as the other creation stories around the the ancient Near East said. So, so we're we're not talking about the creation account, um, but let's talk about some other things that are in the Bible that are scientific. Uh, and then, and then I'm going to finish with my favorite one. Once you give me, give okay. us a few. I'll just rattle off a couple here. Um, one would be that uh, the Bible tells us in Jeremiah 33:2 and Genesis 15:5 that there are an innumerable number of stars. Wasn't until not that it was, you know, for at that time it was believed that there were only a certain amount of stars in the sky, just the ones that you could count and see with the naked eye. So science is wrong. The Bible was right. Right. Um, we see that uh, in Leviticus fifteen thirteen, we're told that cleansing should be done with running water, not stagnant water. It was only 150, 200 years ago that people were performing surgeries and washing their hands between surgeries in pools of stagnant water mm-hmm. because they didn't realize um, that cleansing should be should be done with running water and that a stagnant water is nothing more than a cesspool. Right, just right. floating bacteria. Um, 
We're told that the earth floats freely in space. That's referenced in Job 26.7. That's something that was not uh, discovered by secular science uh, until much, much later, especially when you consider the fact that Job was the first book of the Bible to be written. It's the oldest book we have. So it was thousands of years uh, until people realized that the earth floated freely in space and was not um, connected to Isaiah 40.22, the earth is round. Yeah, that, that's yeah. Uh, you know, that's still kind of a debate among some people. But the Bible does reference uh, the world being round. Um, there are also just a lot of different things relating to uh, some of the health codes and, and laws that you can look back and see. Oh wow, the reason that the Israelites stayed alive and uh, that whole time was because they were following these these health codes that kept them alive while other people didn't understand. Um, didn't understand any of it. Right. And the water cycle is testified to in the Bible long before it was ever understood by modern man. You know, and we could go on and on with scientific proofs. But my favorite is this one, and it's recent. You know, it always bothered me when I would read Noah, and it, say, it would say, when talking about the flooding of the earth, and it was saying the waters burst forth from the deep. Well, we just in recent years, we, we again, like I'm a scientist, the scientists have discovered that about 400 year, miles, 400 years, 400 miles below the Earth's uh, surface is a layer of Earth that contains a lot of water. In fact, it contains so much water, it's more than all of the oceans and all of the world. So if that water burst forth from the deep, that would be enough to flood the whole Earth. Wow. Yeah. So it's just one of those things where you're like, wow, that the Bible was actually accurate on that. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you even think, yeah, just you can go on and on and on about it. But the, the fact of the matter is that if you, when people are saying science is disproving the Bible, archaeology is disproving the Bible only for now until you figure out the Bible was right. And it's mm-hmm. only a matter of time because that's the track history. Everything that was that came up in the Age of Enlightenment, all these proofs against the Bible have one by one being dismantled, dismantled and completely. removed. So that's why it's so important, and we believe that you've got we've got to get the Bible to the persecuted church, and we've got to get the Bible into the American church as well. We want the persecuted church to receive it, so because they're going to use it, and we want the American church to open, open it. it up and use it. <laughs> because the Bible is a, it's a tabernacle, it's a place of holy meeting where you can meet with your God where you can have an, an intimate relationship there and really get to know God, his will, his personality, uh, his, uh, his, his desires for your life, his plans for your life, his plans for the future, his history uh, in the world. So we, we've got to get the Bible to people. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, and that's why we're so committed to this. And we also want to get the, the lessons we've learned from the persecuted church and the, uh, into the hands of people as well. So, you know, we just want to finish by inviting you to get the Courier Update, uh, nations4jc at gmail.com. Uh, that's the number four in there. And, number four, uh, J, letter yeah, J, letter C. Send me an email, uh, and uh, we will uh, send you a, a link, and you can just fill it out, and we'll get you on our uh, mailing list. We'll send it right to your house. And we've got some cool stuff coming out in the next couple months. I think October, November, and December are going to be great uh, career updates. We always we're writing them always a bit in advance, so uh, it should be exciting. October is our one that was written by AI. 
<laughs> I use artificial. I used, I used AI to write it, and, and uh, it was actually pretty good. And it, it's all up front that we did that, and it was a, an experiment, kind of a fun thing to do. But you know, there's no computer that's ever going to replace Jesus. No computer that's ever going to replace the Bible, and there's mm-hmm. no computer that's ever going to replace you because you're made in the image of God, mm-hmm. and you matter. And remember that God could fill the persecuted church three feet deep with Bibles. He does not need you to participate in Bible delivery, to participate in ministry to the persecuted church, but he chooses to involve you in the family business because mm-hmm. he loves you, and he wants to be close to you, and he wants to work with you. Amen. And we will see you all next week for episode 39. Thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.